This is episode 17 with chef and wellness entrepreneur, Karen Pride. This is Magical Humans, and I am Vania Vananina. I am an artist and creativity expert, and I am on a mission to talk to extraordinary people about their creativity, failures, wins, and everything in between. My wish is that these magical humans inspire you to take the leap and lead a creative life. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me here. So I'm so excited to talk to you about many things. Mostly, you're you're such a being of light. That's, oh my gosh. That is one big thing. And then your entrepreneurial journey, which I find fascinating. And also your, let's see, your, your creative spirit. Oh. I had the opportunity to listen to a Pechacucha talk you did last summer. And it was so interesting to learn all these things about you that I wouldn't have imagined. I mean, I knew that you were from the Michigan area and I knew you had a background in food or culinary world, but I didn't know. And it was really cool to see the big kind of like the big picture and like all these how you were talking about these little pieces and how you were flowing with it and where you are now oh, it's really interesting well thank you thank you it was really fun to put that together it's kind of nerve-wracking too but to, i bet yeah because of the specific format piece my story together right because it has a theme and the theme was happenstance so like okay how do i how does my life fit into this theme but it was really cool. It was cool to explore it in that way and like dig into all the parts of my history and family and love life and everything and kind of realize like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the journey. I think mm -hmm. you did an amazing job. Thank you. So for someone that doesn't know you, how would you describe what you do or where you are in life? Like who's Karen Pride? Yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> At the moment, it's kind of new. I feel like I'm sort of figuring it out again in a way. You know that where you like know yourself, but at the same time, I'm in this whole new realm of myself mm -hmm, level, and yeah. figuring out, okay, what, like I, I've had this trajectory for a long time and now I'm, now I'm trying to decide what I even want the next trajectory to be. But um, uh, how would I describe it? I owned restaurants. I had three restaurants. I had a dream of owning a restaurant and then that turned into three. And along the way, I bought a yoga studio with some major financial help from people. And um, I still own the yoga studio, but I sold the restaurants back in late September because it was time. I was tired and worn out and it was wonderful and so fulfilling, but also extremely exhausting. So I had definitely been pretty burnt out for a while. So now I'm at this new juncture where I still have the yoga studio and I'm just kind of exploring who I am without being a restaurant owner. And I found myself really getting back into cooking and food and exploring all these other creative hobbies and passions that I have. And I'm living on the road part-time, which... I think it's is so a big, cool. Is, is, yeah, has become a big part of my story right now. And I'm adjusting to that and getting used to that. Yeah. That, so that a was a really summary. Yeah, that was a really good summary. So you grew up in Michigan. Correct. Yes. And yeah. you stayed there until you were. I moved right after I turned 23. 
And mm -hmm. you went to culinary school there. I did. I did. I went to culinary school right after college. And it was a two-year program. And then I stayed and continued to do some other college education there. Non-culinary stuff. Some Eastern philosophy and some photography. What did you study in college? What was a previous degree or... Well, I got a, an associate's degree in culinary arts. And then... Yeah, and then I had graduated college and I was like 20. And that's... Yeah, you're <laughs> like, oh. like, okay, I need... I'm not ready to go. Like, I knew I wanted a restaurant, but I was definitely not, you know, ready to go do that. So I went back to school and then I studied some Eastern philosophy. I really started to get into Buddhism and just like I had a major curiosity about that. Um Yeah, I studied photography, and then I moved to Portland after being at that college for maybe a year and a half. And when I got to Portland, I was just trying to finish up my degree, so I ended up doing more philosophy here and a liberal arts degree and just like a whole bunch of cool random classes. And I did a business minor. Of so my education is a little handy, like all over the place, but... No, but it sounds very wholesome because I if think, you I if think so now looking back with what you've done, it's like, oh, those were exactly the things that mm -hmm. you needed to yeah. pursue the entrepreneurial journey. And then now this new realm of your uh -huh. of your identity or your life, living on the road and still owning a yoga studio. And it's not just any kind of business, but, you know, it's a yoga mm -hmm. studio. And I think it sounds like it was serendipitous. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, now that you say that education-wise, it's, it's still everything that I'm still interested in. It's like a whole bunch of random interesting things and mm -hmm. philosophy and photography and food and business. And so sometimes I say I did, didn't use my education, but now that I think about it, like, I <laughs> definitely did. Um, but serendipitous, yeah, for sure. I mean, moving to Portland and the way things worked out and never planned on owning a yoga studio, that was completely serendipitous it just sort of happened I mean nothing just happens to us we have to of course go take in action. that direction but I think sometimes that if you follow your passions and what you're interested in and you're just curious take opportunities when they open up then you semi-accidentally end up in places <laughs> you're like whoa how did I what am I doing and how did I get here but speaking of great. that one thing that I was just it was fascinating in the way that it was so human and so real when you spoke at the Pechacucha night when you spoke about this boy you met in <laughs> culinary school mm -hmm. and how he talked to you about Buddhism and like Eastern philosophies and all of that and recently was it last year that you linked up with him again yeah. I saw a lovely picture of him and his dog totally yeah yeah we reconnected I had I had thought about him you know for years and I couldn't find him online and then I kind of did one last search one day and found him and now we've become friends and he lives in Michigan and we he sends me music all the time, uh, which is really, really great. And yeah, I got to see him when I was in town and when I'm back in Michigan, like now we're friends and That's so we'll cool. stay connected. Can you explain to the audience like how, what was the journey of Karen Like you were in culinary school and then you were engaged, right? As, <laughs> during culinary yes. school? Yeah. Like, can you uh, yes, explain yeah. that? Yep. Like how you came into culinary school? Mm -hmm. What was your um, romantic status to say? Mm -hmm. not, not because that is 
important in, in in itself but i just feel like the way things flowed it's so human yeah yeah there was a major change so i grew up in southwest michigan in a really really conservative very religious household and i you know was the perfect little conservative religious daughter and followed all the rules and believed it all and it was completely in and then in high school I had a boyfriend for four years or like through the age of 19 um, but we dated for four years and he was a farmer's son and he was going to take over the family farm like absolutely plan on doing that and has since taken over the family farm like so he carry and, on with the plan yeah oh completely completely and um we were totally in love and he's awesome like I wish we could be friends I haven't spoken to him since I left, you know, years ago, since yeah. I was 19. So we were going to, we were going to get married and we were going to have all these babies. And you were going to be a farm wife. And exactly. And yeah, I was going to be the farmer's wife. Like we had a house that was going to be gifted to us basically. And he is married now with a bunch of babies and like living in that house and taking, <laughs> you know, on the <laughs> yeah, farm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting looking back because I can, I know exactly what my life would have looked like. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I loved him and that was all great, but, that, but I went away to college and then I got introduced to, well, I met this guy, Dwight, and I, who I, you know, the one we were just talking about that mm-hmm. I stayed friends with and, and this in and culinary other school. people. That was in culinary school. Yeah. Okay. So when I left high school, I went to culinary school and I just got introduced to all these different ideas and, but got engaged to the farmer, to the farmer, got engaged to the farmer and I mean, I think I was, I didn't really understand what was happening. Like I was interested in all these new ideas, but I still was so in this old life too of marrying the farmer. And Mm -hmm. that seemed beautiful to me as well. Um, And then the story goes that in college one night when I was engaged, I was working late and this professor came over to me. And I wasn't even that close to him, but he just felt compelled that he had to tell me something. He came over and started talking to me and was like, I, I know you're excited to get married and that that's fine. Like, if you want to do that, great. But I just feel like I have to tell you that there's this whole world out there. And like, I know you, you have the potential to do anything and you just don't have to do that. Like, you don't have to follow through and you don't have to get married. You don't have to stay here if you don't want to. And like, I just feel like I need to tell you that. And I didn't understand what had happened, but it just clicked within me. And I just knew that I had, like, I couldn't get married and I had to go. And I couldn't explain it all. I just knew that I had to. And I drove down the next day and called the whole thing off and, and then went into this direction of, yeah, more the direction that I, well, I live my life now, you know, with a lot of like a couple of years of really figuring it out and yeah, trying to figure out where I stand with religion and all, all, all the things, right? It's confusing when you shift your life that dramatically, but that's how that happened. <laughs> I think that is so brave because so often I can... I didn't grow up in an environment as conservative as you did, but uh, I come from a conservative country with, you know, Catholic values and that those Catholic values are what informs our societies where we in communities where we uh, grow up. And 
and then also our mentalities and what we want from life, you know, all of that, even if your parents are like open mind or you're exposed to other things, yet those values are what inform your life and your decisions. And I just love when in history, a human listens to their intuition and are like, I can't. Or I have to, you know, yeah, Re yeah. regardless of what the thing is, but it's like, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. I need to do this other thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. And, you know, what is this uh, Campbell quote? It takes courage to live the life that you want to. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that, I mean, I think intuition is so important. And there's something inside of us that already knows And if we can figure out how to tap into that and follow it, we're good. Like, and I, I'm just, I'm so grateful that it was naturally in me. And I think that was probably the first moment when I really listened to it and just did the thing. And after that, I knew pretty quickly that like, okay, whatever that is, I don't even know if I knew, I don't think I knew to call it intuition back then, but whatever that feeling was, Like I have to follow it because every time I did after that, it was the best decision I could have made. And every single time I did it or I questioned it, it, it didn't just feel set right. me back. Yeah, Correct. yeah, yeah. It was the wrong decision. And it just, you, you know, it's like that two steps backward, like then you got to go forward again. You, Yeah, we got we to gotta listen to that. That is amazing. That and you still do it this way oh completely now i'm now all the time even more you die every even. day oh completely yeah absolutely i just i feel like there is a part of me that knows and you just gotta go with it i think there, there's an aspect of bravery too because it can be scary but But in my opinion, it's like more scary to not follow that. Yes. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like our ego gets bruised. Our, yes. Yeah. We get embarrassed. It, whatever. Yeah. That, that sucks. That's, yeah. I, <laughs> it's not that happened to me just this weekend. But like, it's, but it's, but I'm better for it. Like, I agree with you. I find mm -hmm. it now, I find it more scary to not follow my intuition. Mm hmm. And to not go towards that thing that is grabbing my attention and that creates this spark within me. Because, yeah, I've done that and I, it's not fun or pretty to start losing yourself and see it before mm -hmm. your eyes. And be, in yeah. knowing that you have the answers, yet you chose to ignore that. Right. So, yeah. I read something recently. It was this little quote probably on Instagram or something that I loved. But it was about, it was like... When you're trying to make a decision, you know, when you like flip a coin, heads or tails, it was kind of like when you throw that coin in the air, the thing that you want it to land on, you know, like that's your answer mm, already. Because not necessarily what the coin tells you, but no, like no, no. what you're hoping for, you're that still, is your answer. You're hoping, because that's <gasps> true, right? You're, you're hoping it's going to land. Like there's a little party that would rather it go this way. And like, that's the thing we have to always follow. And it's such that. a thin line. Like, so mm -hmm. it's like a, I love that. Yeah. And I think that like all the time with people too, when I'm talking to people about this stuff, I'm just, you know, and they're like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm always just like, okay, stop. Like tell, immediately. The yeah, just second, tell me what is the very first thing. And if they can answer that, that's the thing. That's your answer. 
We got to just like stop thinking so much sometimes. Yes. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had Feel um, more. a oh. meditation teacher who would always say like, yeah, you know, our brains are good for balancing our checkbooks and driving a car. But in reality, all of the answers we need are within us. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's our intuition. It's our heart. If you let your joy speak to you that is it yeah it's so simple you know yet we make it so we make it so hard but it yes. is so simple it is mm -hmm. so simple so speaking about i don't want to say harder things but i am completely amazed and i admire you so much because at some point you were a business owner that had like four businesses <laughs> and then you know employees and business licenses and like books that you had to balance and like things so how You had this dream of owning a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then how did it happen the first time? How did that come to life? Yeah, so the, the first one is Prasad, which I don't own anymore, but still exists. I, I wanted a restaurant so badly. And then over the years, like my style of cooking changed a little bit. And then I was really into health food and that sort of thing. And, and, and I also wanted whatever business I did to contribute to kind of the greater good of the mm. world. So I figured, okay, if I do a health food restaurant, then I'm, I'm doing that, you know, like I'm making people feel better Yeah. overall. So I just tried and tried and tried. I went to college and as soon as I like graduated, graduated from Portland state university with my bachelor's and then, and which I decided I needed to get a bachelor's degree because most restaurants fail. So If I failed, you're like, I'm going to do what exactly yeah. I was going to do, but at least I had some base, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it was your plan B. Well, like if it my failed, plan B like, was to at least have like the bachelor's degree. So if I went back to college to study, you had something, you know, a master. Like, I, yeah, I, okay. I was starting somewhere and I just started. What did I do? I met with this broker in town that had worked with the owner of the Vita Cafe in Portland where I waited tables for about five years. And I went to him and I had no money and I just was like on my bicycle. I didn't have a car. I had nothing, but I had a plan. I didn't, I didn't really have a plan. I had a dream. A dream. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream and I was absolutely determined to make it happen. And he met with me and I was like, I want to buy a restaurant or I want to open a restaurant. I don't really care. Just How do I get a restaurant? Mostly, mm -hmm. I love was, that you're like, okay, mm -hmm. help me make this happen. How do I do it? Yeah, for sure. I was like, I'm ready. I will work. Like I will give my entire life to this. There's nothing I want more. Let's do this. I just don't have like money. And he was so great. And he worked with me and it, it turned out that that didn't work out. Like I ended up, I wrote this business plan and I went around to anybody I had ever met that had any money and tried to get them to loan me a bunch of it. And they said no. And, um, And then I was, I, my boyfriend and I had owned a house and we split up and he bought me out. So I ended up with $30,000 and I couldn't open a restaurant with $30,000, but I could get a food cart. Mm. So I got a food cart. I didn't want a food cart. I wanted a restaurant. So in my, like I was still, it was my stepping stone to the restaurant, but I got the food cart. And ran that as Prasad and it was like the hardest summer. I only had it for five months and it was the hardest thing I've 
ever done. I was so tired. Even but more than owning four businesses, mm-hmm, like having the food cart. Was yeah, completely. And um, like it gives me so much. I feel like we, we should all have so much respect for all the food cart owners out there because the thing is like they're doing everything. Once I had a business, I had employees. And mm-hmm. while employees are a whole other you would delegate. challenge. Exactly. Yeah. You have people to do stuff. You, you don't have to do every single task under the sun on your own. And that's the hardest part because there are only so many hours, you know, we still have to sleep. And <laughs> and I, all I did was sleep a little bit and work every single second with a food cart. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And then I ended up being able to get into the space where Prasad is downtown because I had worked in the space previously and I had gotten to know the owners of Yoga Pearl and it turned out that I could I could get in there because the lease of the previous restaurant was coming to an end and they kind of took a chance on me. I'm curious what all these people that you knew that had X amount of money that you went to to ask for a loan, what was the reasoning behind those all of those no's? Well... I didn't have anything to bring to them to prove that I could do mm. this. Even you know? if you had a business plan, a dream, and the attitude, but yet they were like, well, but how are you yeah, going to make yeah. it work? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, I had nothing to stand on other than that. And I think, and my business plan wasn't very good. I had worked so hard on it, but there's actually not... Maybe there are way better resources now, but I could not find a good resource for writing a restaurant business plan. So I look back and I know like it wasn't very good, even though I had worked tirelessly (laughs) on it. Like I'm still proud of the fact that I did it. But yeah, I just I mean, I had enough people wanted me to prove that I could do it. And you just can't do that until you get to do it. And it took some people taking a chance on me. And then once people took a chance on me, like I had a couple of those people come back to me later on and been like, oh my God, I should You're have. You're doing it, yes. I should have taken a chance on you back then. But I mean, I get why they would say no. And I wasn't really close to any of them. I mean, I didn't, I had nobody that I was close to that had any money. So I was sort of really, you know, introducing my, like showing up on my bicycle and being like, hi, I'm Karen Pride. Like, I have a drink. <laughs> you help love, me? Yeah. And you know what I love? I love the fearless. I mean, I'm not saying you did this without fear, but I love that you did it anyway. And then you did the thing and then people came back and it's not like, oh, I proved them. No, but it's like, okay, I'll find another way. And then the universe presented an opportunity and then you did it. And these people came back and were like, oh, you are about this. So mm-hmm. I, I just love that, that you reached out it wasn't a match at the moment but then you had something to show Mm -hmm. that you put all of your hard work in and then yeah yeah I think I mean we have to be willing to do hard things and put ourselves out there and yeah be willing to let it sting and hurt and I don't like what I was saying earlier, you know, about like, even when it does suck, like you got to do it. And it, it wasn't easy. I was so devastated. I mean, there were a lot of tears and there are definitely times when I was just like, I can't, I just, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And then you pull yourself back up and you're like, okay, nope, I'm going to keep going. Uh, yeah. Like keep going. It doesn't, doesn't mean it was easy. And 
it didn't hurt. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was rough. It sounds like it, like especially that summer with the food court. I can, mm -hmm. you're so right. People in food courts, they do everything mm -hmm. all the time. And you have to be on all the time. You're in the cart. And I have a lot of respect for people in kitchens, whatever mm -hmm. capacity of kitchen is. Like it's, it's hard work and people not put only their heart, but their whole selves mm -hmm. into that task. Yeah. I just admire how I just knew like, okay, when I, what I knew of you, like this is Karen pride and she owns uh, this, this business. And I'm like, wow, she's so young. And I know that having a business is hard work and you have to make choices that are not necessarily the most fun or the mm -hmm. most easy. But I was just so interested in knowing in everything from afar seemed very organic it didn't look like oh you were born into a fortune and then it was just like oh i press a button and i have a restaurant <laughs> even though i didn't know your story it just i was like drawn into your energy of making things happen Aww. and then i met you and you're the sweetest person <laughs> and such a badass <laughs> thank you a sweet tender badass <laughs> <laughs> so then <laughs> That happened, and then you owned three other businesses. Correct. What were some specific roadblocks you encountered by being a female business owner? Oh, yeah. Or a young business yeah, owner. Yeah. Or even more, a young female business right. owner. Mm -hmm. It just it takes so much resilience because, you know, I look back and see myself riding that bike around and trying to get money and and it was pretty much all men that I'm going to and being young and female for sure played a role you know they're like oh you're so sweet but they're yeah. like oh it's adorable that's yeah, what you're trying totally. to do yeah, but then like I know. go away keto yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah being young was a major roadblock I mean you just have it just makes you have to be even more resilient and deal with so many more like blows because mm. everything is a matter of proving yourself. I mean, I just had to prove myself to everybody, even the landlord all the time, all the time, all the time, even after, even after like Prasad had opened and it was doing super well. Then I tried to buy Yoga Pearl and I had to, and the landlords were literally like, why should we take a chance on you? Like, cause it's on paper now, even, I mean, like, look at what I did. And, but still, they're just still like, you ah. have to prove yourself. Still, yeah. No, I mean, oh, I left a, a meeting with them in tears, like so devastated walking around downtown Portland. I was so sad. This lady, this sweet lady, like saw me on the know, street like, trying to hide the fact that I'm just <laughs> like, bawling. like about to just yeah like bawling but trying to do it quietly and she pulled over and she was just like oh honey I don't know what's wrong but I just hope your day gets better oh. you know? like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it sucked the whole way and then then I had yoga pearl and then and then I was trying to get the Harlow space and again you know the landlord at Harlow was I like him a lot now and he, he's great and he wasn't mean along the way, but he again was just like, how do like, why, why, should I, why? Yeah. why take a chance on you? And I still, I'm like, how much, what do, like, what do I have to have in order or to do prove in myself? Order to, yeah. 
And eventually wow. he finally, he got annoyed. They were going to give the space to some other like big corporate business or something. I don't know what it was. And then he got annoyed with dealing other policies that he was just like, all right, I don't know about this, but I'm just going to try it. Like, Let's just see if you can do anything. Oh my God. And I fucking blew like, yeah. you know, and that's right. Like do take some pride in the fact that like, yeah, Harlow, Harlow blew up and it's nice to both those landlords. Now a year later, we're like, they're like, Whoa. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, Oh, do you want to open more spaces? Do you want to da da da? And you're and like, like, you know what? Like, you know man. what? <laughs> First of all, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And then, <laughs> no, not necessarily like that, but you know, Wow. See, this yeah. is this is why I wanted to talk about businesses and, and, and entrepreneurship, because I feel out there there's so much information and content and lovely people wanting to give their two cents or, you know, their share their expertise. But I love to know these stories of resilience, of just doing it because mm -hmm. you see it and you can if someone doesn't know this. And they see you, they're like, oh, yeah, well, she had all these businesses. Oh, someone must have given her money, but they don't know. Like, all no, I know that always dry. That has always made me crazy. Now I'm like, whatever. People can think what they want. But and I think my story's out there a lot more. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I always hated that idea because I grew up so poor and I didn't have any. Nobody was training me you know and so I hated that anybody would assume that I was just handed all of this because I was really proud of the fact that I made it happen of but course. we can't control what people think and we can't no yeah but I just I love this having this opportunity to talk to you about the realness mm -hmm. behind <laughs> the, the the backstage Now, present day, you sold the two restaurants, right? Well, three. Th yeah. The mm -hmm. Prasad had two locations mm -hmm. in Harlow. And now you only own Yoga Apparel, which is yes. a lovely yoga studio where every detail is so lovely and it's <laughs> such an organic place. And oh, thank you. It's, it's a really cute space. What would you say is your favorite and your least favorite thing about being a business owner? My favorite thing is the relationships that I get to have with the employees, the teachers, the students at Yoga Pearl, you know, in the restaurants. It was the employees, too. I got to enter this role of, I don't know, it, like sometimes it's mentorship, sometimes it's it's friendship, it's, it's being able to, to listen and help and be there for people like I'm so proud of what we do at Yoga Pearl because it's a safe comfortable space where people can come in in yoga class like you come and you process your emotions you process what's it's not going about the on like, it's not about the exercise it's no no it, like I mean I love I love that in yoga I can like get my physical workout while at the same time getting the whole mind body soul thing mm -hmm. <laughs> so You can do that, but um, yeah, we're just processing so much in that room. I mean, I, God, God, I've like processed so many heartaches and family shit and breakups and uh, all, all the things in that place. Like that's where I go. I go to my yoga mat and that's what all these other people are, you know, are doing that are coming there too so my favorite part of it is being able to like create that space and have conversations and 
work with as many people as I can in that room to like help them in whatever capacity I can to get through what they need to get through. That's the best. <laughs> and your least favorite part? I think my least favorite part is all of the little bullshit stuff that comes <laughs> up, you know? I, I feel like, you know, I'm trying to do this bigger work and instead you have to deal with, who knows, like, yeah, little tiny annoying problems that are, you know, they're, they're big to somebody mm -hmm. in the moment and I need to respect that. But it's, it's the, yeah, this, this just that stuff gets frustrating. Paperwork, you know, like weird All that stuff. Sometimes it's just like, ugh, it gets, it's, yeah, it gets frustrating and it feels like it gets in the way of the greater work. And so much of it seems completely unnecessary, but, but I gotta like stop and deal with it. You now live part time on the road. Correct. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? <laughs> well, I'm figuring out exactly what it means still because um, it's pretty, so I don't know. pretty new. Pretty new. Um, I just really left town in late January, but I have always had the travel. I don't even think it's a travel bug. It's like, a, it's so in me. It's hard for me to stay in one place. And I love Portland. I love coming home here, but it's like, there's just so much to explore in the world that I always feel like I gotta go. And I did travel a lot when I had the restaurants, but I couldn't stay gone for very long because I always had to, you know, come back. So once I sold the restaurants, I knew that I wanted to, I, you know, learned about this whole van life thing that's going on and thought, well, that's for me. And you have Obviously, a pretty sweet ride. I do have a sweet ride. Yep. Yep. So I sold the restaurants. The big present I bought for myself was this Ford Transit van. And I had it built out by this company in Portland called Benchmark Vehicles. And it's, it's really nice. It, it is. It's a whole little apartment on wheels. So I'm, yeah, living in that part time and also traveling, you know, outside of the country And kind of flying back and forth from Portland to the van and leaving the van within different parts of the United States. And um, I'm just exploring. Like, I, I want to see, I want to I get to know this whole country. I've traveled overseas a ton. And I realized a couple of years ago that I hadn't really traveled within the United States all that much. So I think my intention at the moment is just driving through this country and being open and trying to get a better grasp of how it works and all the different subcultures that exist within this country. And it, we are vastly different in many ways. You know, I, I'm really realizing like there's so many ways, which is it's all humans. We are so connected and so much the same, but, um, but the way we live our lives and our values and beliefs and, you know, the cultures and what we've been raised in and what we're exposed to, is also wildly different. So far in your van life uh, adventures, has there been a place, a town, a, a big city, a national park, a road, has there been a place where you've felt something, you, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like this whole new adventure It's nurturing your soul and, mm -hmm. and you're satisfying that curiosity of seeing all of the places and getting to know different people and, their, and the way they live. 
But has there been a special place or a special moment within these travels so far that changed your perspective on something or you learned something new that totally blew your mind? Something that you think back and you're like, oh, man, that was memorable. I think that there there are moments right now. I'm still pretty new mm. to it. So... There have absolutely been moments that I'm just in such awe and wonder and so grateful and blown away that this is real. That happened the first couple of times in California where I was staying at these campgrounds and it was like pretty chilly and rainy when I first left and not many people were around, but it was like, you know, the first one I like ran through the woods and got to this clearing at the ocean and it's just all these, you know, great rocks and it's this beautiful, rugged ocean, you know, side. And, and I, it was one of those moments where I just got tears in my eyes and I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is how I live now. Like this is real. This, <laughs> I could do this every day. I, I, you know, there's a lot of that stuff right now and there's a lot of places that feel really, Good. Um, I've been doing, I think I've been mostly doing like internal work. There's two things that are really fun. Like the conversations that I have on the road are incredible. And because for all those years I was so busy with the businesses that I, I tried to be really present with somebody, but I like always had to go, you know, I was like, okay, I got it. Like I got to run. I got to like, go. Yeah. Wait for this. I wait for this. Like I'm trying to do, you know, 20 things in this day. I'm, I want to be present and I think I like can, but I couldn't stay. Mm. And now I get to be present and I get to like stay and actually fully let the conversation, the time happen and see where that goes. And that's been one of the coolest things is giving space to that and then being open, being open to it and going wherever somebody says, go check this out. And, but then also just what's going on in my own body and mind. And I feel like, you know, I'm still healing from all those years of, stress and overwork and so I spend a lot of time just quiet and I was just in Virginia one of the most beautiful places I came across a friend recommended it to me but it's Grayson Highlands in Virginia and I was just there last week and it's a good hour and a half drive at least away from any cell service there's no wi-fi out there it's this beautiful park and it's all these hiking trails and I just spent two days wandering in complete silence by myself, barely seeing another human being just in my head and kind of like letting my head clear and process stuff. So has it been scary to be by yourself? And I don't mean this necessarily in a being an, uh, a lone woman traveling way, mm -hmm. but in the being alone with your thoughts for so much time, like Um, alone with my thoughts, no, it doesn't, that doesn't scare me at all. Like I need that. And it, one of the reasons why I've always been drawn to travel and the reason why I travel alone most of the time is because I feel like I have to have that space to process what's going on. And when I go, like when I've been able to, usually I would do it outside of the country. I'd go and travel somewhere and just walk around for a week or two and be with myself. And that's when I figure it like everything out without even trying. It's like every time I would come back or there would be a, a moment in those trips where I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, obviously. 
<laughs> like I made it so complicated. And yeah, I think we make things so complicated, like we were both saying. And when you can take enough time to get quiet and just be with yourself and your thoughts, at some point it's just not even complicated anymore. It's so true and real and honest and right there. So not scary. I think it's, I, I crave it. I love that. What What do you wish you had known when you first became a business owner? Hmm. That's a hard question. Um, I, I gotta think about that. I mean, I will say that I have this very, like before I became a business owner, all this Eastern philosophical study led me to this, I think it's mostly a Buddhist philosophy idea that expectations lead to disappointment. So I try, have always tried to live my life in that way. And man, we do have expectations and they don't <laughs> go that way. I was so disappointed. So I think, you know, there was so much that I, I knew I didn't know and I was going to figure out. I wasn't... Yeah, I knew I knew that I, there was only so much that I knew and the rest I was going to have to learn hands on. I think you know, what would have been really helpful management. Management was the hardest was the hardest thing. Um learning how to effectively communicate and how to where to draw the lines with my emotions when it came to management and speaking to people and what my like it wasn't like my moral compass was off, but there were just things that I, you know, I, I had to learn what to talk to employees about, what not to talk to employees about. You like never talk to one employee about another. And I didn't do that much, but I did that a couple of times, you know, at first and it was horrendous. And there's a lot of lessons like that. I'd say, yeah, managing is one of the most tricky aspects of the job and still is, And I don't think any of us do it perfectly. Some of it, you know, you can, there are so many things I've learned along the way and I do it a million times better than I did when I started. But probably the biggest hardships came with management and communication and not knowing how to be as direct as I needed to be, not addressing problems as quickly as I should have when they first came along, you know, like being too scared to say what I, what I needed to happen Uh, all of those things, like I would let things fester for way too long and then like be wishy-washy and not know how to deal with them. And, and that's changed dramatically. I mean, now I'm most of the time so clear and like, we're going to deal with this immediately. I don't like to let a goddamn thing fester any, in any aspect of my life. Like <laughs> we just got to go through it because we got to see what's on the other side. But, um, but I didn't know that before. I guess that would have been a, like, In my business education, there, yeah, there wasn't a management skills training. And I don't know even if like the training that would have, I'm sure there is some out there, but the way I deal with business, you know, I like to do it with integrity and with heart and soul and combining like those management, uh, not rules, but like you, you also have to be like a, you know, hard ass kind of in stand your ground, but still have, still care and have kindness and heart. And, oh, it's so tricky. So that's it. That's the part. Super messy. <laughs> well, <laughs> messy to figure out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. 
your whole family is still back in Michigan, right? Yes. Okay. How do you, that area? How do you deal with having your family live in still in in that conservative area in now you being out in the world on another realm how do you how do you deal with that with with the fact that you are evolving but your family might be on another realm it's so tricky and it's probably the biggest thing i grapple with right now on all, all the time You know, especially in this, like the political environment that's going on, this current presidency, these abortion bills, bans, laws, like this, oh my God, that bullshit. It's so hard. So I can't say I found a great way to deal with it. It's, it's not, it's so not easy. It's such a struggle for me because my beliefs are very different from they're vastly different from that of my mother's. And I don't understand how she can hold some of the beliefs that she has along with some of my family. And so conversations end up being more surface level a lot of times because we can't dig into some of that. And I think that stuff is, is really important. And It's hard to have such different values and just completely push that aside. I haven't figured out exactly how to do that. So, you know, I think with anything, we do our best and we keep learning. And that is definitely a thing I don't have, a, you know, I haven't figured out. I, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I will. It's just messy. It is. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I didn't necessarily expect it uh like an answer but just you being so honest about how messy it is mm -hmm. I, I identify with that <laughs> <laughs> what was the first dollar you ever earned oh uh my first job well i mean the first dollar was with babysitting probably yeah yeah i started babysitting really young i look back and i'm like oh my god i can't how believe. old were you i don't know but really young and what was your first job uh, my first job was in the library were you uh checking people out uh, like putting books mm -hmm, back that yeah kind of thing? yeah yeah putting i think it's called a library page so i was putting books back and organizing stuff and yeah checking people out in your journey so far Being someone that cooks, being someone that is a business owner, within your whole experience, what has been the best advice that someone has ever given you? Oh, the best advice. Well, there's one, there's something I, it wasn't something that somebody particularly gave to me, but I remember reading a couple, two, three years ago that was and it's you are your own solution and i like that one that one really hit home and i think it's so true i love that what is your relationship with grief Ooh, with grief that's a good one um i 
I had a, one of my really good friends, her boyfriend died very tragically a few years ago while rock climbing. And that was probably when I first had to explore a relationship with mm-hmm. grief and learn a lot about it. Um, and then my father passed away about three or four years ago. Um, and I think grief, I think you, you got to go into it, explore it, give yourself time, learn from it. What is your favorite word? <laughs> favorite word? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind was love, and the second thing that came to mind were, were kindness. And I guess, yeah, mm. stick with that. Truth, truth. Gosh, <laughs> we need truth in all aspects, yeah. Being true to ourselves. What was a toy you always wanted but never had? Oh, I wanted, um, what did I want? I wanted a pet, a really bad, that wasn't a toy, but. Like a real I pet, like a, a dog. I wanted a pet so bad a... as a child, yeah, and I never had a, I never had a, I never had a pet. Do you um, have pets now? No. <laughs> no, now I travel way too much, so then I don't, I don't want a pet. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I did. What is your favorite tool or resource? Ooh, um, I mean. Well, first I was going to say my brain, but then I now I'll say my heart. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. When is a moment when you feel magical? Mm, I feel magical when I'm on the road, when I'm traveling and I'm in some place that is blows my mind and is new to me and feels spiritual and very special and, and but spiritual too, like within, you know, my, myself. I don't know. There's so many different ways to define spiritual, but um, yeah, that feels magical. I love being, I love being in a place that I don't know anything about and especially I don't speak the language and just absorbing the feels being immersed and the smells in the, and the colors and yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's lovely. I love to be <laughs> uh, in those situations as well. It's pretty magical. What is the most creative thing you've ever done? The most creative? You know what? Probably when I was in, when I started photography school, when I started studying photography, I got so, so, so into it that I like gave everything to it. I kind of stopped with food for a while. I'm sure I still cooked at home, but I like really started exploring my creative side and I got into the dark room and I was taking all of these self portraits, like these semi nude self portraits playing with light and long exposure and all sorts of things. And I just was really into it. And I made a, I had an art show based on like every from, I think it was my first or second, like class I ever took in photography I just dove into it and yeah had a whole uh what's that called not a thesis but like a statement and mm. yeah it was a, yeah I could like combine the eastern philosophy studies with this photography and that was probably the most creative time in my life and you have an ongoing photography series called the pride legacy project no oh yeah 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 yep. t- talk to me about that Oh man, I started that. It's something I do. You just lit up. I mentioned it and you lit up. Oh, thanks. I forgot about it for a minute. Um, Yeah, I do it sort of sporadically, but it started actually because 
I didn't know how to talk to my family and I wanted to stop being so surface level and talk about some of the deeper things and questions. And I figured that if I, you know, I I think in some ways I've been this like kind of slightly weirder, you know, artistic person in the family that they love, but they're kind of like, what's up with you? You know? So I figured if I turned it into an art project, they'd be like, oh, she's just doing one of her like weird art projects That's again. genius because people <laughs> over, like they take the, all of those labels and it's like, oh, it's just a project. So mm-hmm. they have a different mindset. I yeah. love that. For they sure. open. Yeah, <gasps> totally. Totally. And then I was like, okay, so I can like, I'll just position myself as the like kind of odd artist, you know, that wants to do this weird project. And then they'll be like, oh, cool. Yeah, of course, we'll help her with that. And that was my way to ask some deeper questions. And then I first did it with a few of my family members and then I did it with a couple of friends. And now I do it when I happen to have my nice camera and I'm just like, I have to feel it to be in the moment. Um, But yeah, it's really, it's really fun. And I ask a question like, um, what advice would you give what advice would your 80 year old self give to you now? Or what's the greatest mm. lesson that you've learned in life so far? Say their age and take their portrait. I especially loved your, your portraits are so good. And I love that. I noticed that there was some depth, not only like literally with the cam- the portrait, but in the um, captions you shared about your conversation with these people. I didn't know how it started. I think that's genius. But I especially loved uh, some portraits that you took of your aunt when you went to Cuba. Uh, And the story that you, how you share, like she was the one that you felt most uh, seen by and Mm -hmm. how she shared things that your parents wouldn't probably approve, but you felt like she was freedom and... I don't know. I I just could sense that I've never met her Mm -hmm. and I've never been to Cuba. But the way that you capture her essence and then what you shared about her, how she made you feel, Mm. how it it was just so beautiful. Thank you. And also it was a lovely reminder that sometimes it's not sometimes we are seen by the people that we expected the least. Mm -hmm. It's, you know. It's it's not a traditional role or trajectory. I just felt it was so so. I just honor the truth that you shared um, when you took her portrait and what she meant to you and what she still means to you and and also that you took that badass trip. The two of you it was so cool. It looked so fun. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I think that we never. We don't always know the extent of the impact that we're going to have on other people's lives. And we should just think about that. Share an unpopular opinion. (laughs) An unpopular opinion. I don't think that everybody needs to get married and have babies and stay in one place. (laughs) (laughs) Could you describe your creative process in whatever thing that you are doing, cooking or ceramics or uh, photography or yoga, like what is your creative process? How do you approach it? Yeah. Um, creatively, I think we need to give ourselves enough space to be creative. You can't force creativity. That being said, sometimes you like kind of have to 
try to force it a little, like make yourself do it even though you don't want to, to get into the space. But I think, yeah, finding space, you know, whatever, whatever that means, whether it's like yoga, a long walk, like for me, it's time alone traveling, something to get my head there. Um, and then it's just following what I feel and what I want to do. Food wise, I do study all the time. I'm constantly reading food blogs and recipes and cookbooks and getting inspiration from that or from the from the grocery store, from the markets, from travels. Recognize that you can find inspiration everywhere. Like if you want to find inspiration, you will find it in anything if you're open and willing to let it come into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you feel has been your biggest fuck up? Um, I mean, I think that anytime I have hurt somebody, you know, even if it was unintentional, I don't know if I have a specific thing, but that's, that's probably, I I try not to have regrets about things. Um, and I know I've done my best Mm -hmm. along the way for the most part but there are things I have there are decisions I have made and I think especially being like this kind of more free willed traveler person and figuring out that within myself within um, while living in a society and being in relationships that are more traditional Mm. but I was trying to you know but I was exploring that inside of me and along the way I have hurt yeah, I have hurt people for sure, mm. accidentally, but because of my yeah figuring myself out and explorations. Well, it's it's <laughs> it's part of life. I don't think so, there's anyone that has never hurt anyone. You but know, I'm sorry to anybody listening <laughs> if I hurt your feelings. What is something that you failed at? Sometimes I feel like I failed at my some of my family relationships because I'm still figuring that out. Nothing's broken, but it's not I'm sure I could do that better. I feel like the failure questions are hard for me because I don't, you know, I my philosophy is really that like there aren't really failures, they're learning experiences. Mm. And as long as we're willing to look at it as a lear- learning experience and say I'm sorry and try to do better, then is it really a failure? Because mm. that's how we grow. Exactly. It's a learning experience. I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. What's on your bucket list? Ooh, uh, travel-wise, I've had... Right now, I really have Nepal near the top of my list. I want to go trekking in Nepal. Um, I really want to go trekking in Patagonia to... A toy with the idea of backpacking the PCT, um, the Pacific Crest Trail. So I suppose it's a lot of travel stuff. A lot of hiking too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the first things that come to mind. What is your dream collaboration? That's a good question. Again, I do a lot of stuff. I think being an independent a very, very independent, probably to a fault person. I don't do a lot of collaborating. Mm. 
Um, so I'm learning about that. Uh, I've been cooking for a lot of yoga retreats, so those are collaborations. But I don't know. Hmm. I don't you still know. have I'll to have figure to think that about out. That one. I do. Yep. Yeah. What is a story that you'll never forget? Hmm. Oh man, probably so many. The biggest life-changing thing for me. I don't know if this is what you mean by story, but the biggest life-changing moment was when I was in, um, I spent six weeks in China and Tibet years ago, right before I moved to Portland. Um, and that, I mean, I will never forget that, that it just, it just shifted everything. It, I ended up going back to Michigan after that trip, especially that that week in Tibet and everything that I saw and experienced there. And I completely changed my entire life after that. So it sounds really powerful. It was very powerful. It's very, it was, yeah, potentially the most powerful time in my life so far. Mm -hmm. I just remembered after we met, I was, we, Karen and I met at, um, we both live in Portland and I knew of her, but I, we met in a ceramics workshop. And funny enough, I had seen, I was following her on Instagram without knowing that this was the same person that was in my ceramics workshop. But then I look at her and she's like, and I'm like, she looks like this girl I saw in a photo. And then, yeah, it turned out it was her. Anyway, I sent you a message or something and then, or you replied. I don't know how it went, but it was like cross communication and you were telling you were in India. You went to India after oh. the ceramics <laughs> workshop, and mm -hmm. you did this thing called starts with a P. Oh, Panchakarma, which is like a Ooh. detox yeah, experience, a very intense Ayurvedic cleanse, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you drink co just coconut water, and then you have massages, and it's. Is it like that? Or yeah, or? although that sounds luxurious <laughs> to just drink coconut water and have massages. And this place was not luxurious. Like, at all. At all. Um, I wasn't, I did get to drink some coconut water like straight from the tree, but I mostly was drinking a lot of ghee. Mm, um, which is very, clarified butter, yeah, right? Yeah, lots of clarified butter. I mean, it made How me is that feel detoxifying? Terrible. So, okay. So uh, in Ayurveda, there's three doshas, Vata, Pitta, Kapha. And um, I went because I was so burnt out and I was kind of having some weird health problems from all the stress. So I went to India to, and you work with a doctor and they prescribe you a, a plan to balance your doshas. And dosha is our personal energy, right? Yeah, Like yeah, how our yeah. meta metabolism mm -hmm. and... Yeah, doshas are, um, they're like character i'm not i feel like i'm not going to describe this quite right but they're like characteristics uh within our body so pitta is a lot more like fire uh kapha is more like mellow lethargic you know just like a little slower yeah pitta is a like crazy type a like blah energy <laughs> and then vata is like kind of somewhere in the middle i've never really figured out how to describe vata but um but essentially vata is It, you can get too airy. I don't know if vata is air, but so my diagnosis was that um, my vata was out of whack. So I was kind of just like, <laughs> you're like, like no shit, <laughs> you know, like I wasn't grounded. Mm. So the 
drinking of ghee and all of the body treatments I got were a lot of like hot oil, lots of mm, hot oil massage and pouring things. oil over. Yeah. And pouring water over my body. Things too from the inside out, like bring down this sporadic air, you know, quality was happening and like whoosh, ground me down. So the oil is like oleation from the inside out. And it also puts your body in a ketogenic state because you're just putting all of this fat into your body. And I can't remember correctly, but I think it, it completely detoxes the liver. Like it helps like move all any bile and mm. whatever gross stuff is in there and like regenerates your liver and stuff. So it is not, it is completely unpleasant. Um, I've just finally been able to cook with ghee again. I couldn't even smell it for a while. But I went through, yeah, I was there for 15 days, I think. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, you just like, you're just getting cleansed mm. through and through for 15 days. Oh, God. Um, Even though yeah. you were getting cleansed and it's a detoxifying thing, it sounds uh -huh. dirty. Dirty? <laughs> yeah, and gross. I remember it was like middle of the night and I got this message from you and you were like, I'm doing... What's it called? Pancha karma. That thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, Karen, I think you... Um, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. I just Google it, but it sounds intense. And you're like, oh, sorry, wrong window or wrong shot. Um, yeah, it's definitely intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, to put our lovely conversation on a bow, my last question is, and I'm sure you have... Uh, so feel free to share whatever you want. Do you have any crazy travel stories <laughs> that you want to share with us? <laughs> <laughs> crazy travel stories. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Um, God, I have like my best travel lovers story. <laughs> yeah, just like really good. It's yeah, probably, like, share probably it. Go down being the best, like most. Okay. All right, we'll do this real quick. But so I was in Venice, Italy with my mother for her 70th birthday and my aunt, the one that you, you saw went the to photos Cuba? from Cuba, mm -hmm. and my aunt's daughter, so my cousin. And we were, and they're all uh, quite a bit older than me. And we were, uh, I don't know why I was explaining that, but I guess because of what comes up. So we're like going, we're out walking in Venice and This is a t like Italian men are so sexy. They're just sort of like ugh, dark hair. And I don't know. I like that style. So we're walking around and then all the gondola drivers, they were, I think like even my mother, who's the most conservative, like quiet person <laughs> ever, you know, who just turned 70, my aunt, like all of us were just like, whoa, gosh, they're like, they look so good. And then I can't believe I'm telling this story here, but, um, So we're doing that. And then all of a sudden this like young guy with this like long hair and he's just so handsome and beautiful comes around to the corner and all four of us were just go, whoa, like, <laughs> he wow. was so handsome. Wow. And he saw me and he just completely like locked eyes with me and his boat was coming right at us. And he just stayed eyes locked with me and like turned the boat and like continued to look back at me. And then he was gone. So all four of us were just like, what? What just happened, you know? And so I, you know, thought about him a little bit. I gotta go find that guy. So the next day I had a, like an hour by myself and I was supposed to go meet my mother at the, like some cathedral or something <laughs> an hour later. And instead, <laughs> so I go for a walk and I like put on the same hat I had on yesterday. And there was a little thing in the back of my head where I was like, 
Olivia to see him again. And immediately, and I walked to the same corner we had come around, and immediately I walked to that corner, and he comes around the corner in the boat. He's got a family, his Chinese family in the boat. And he sees me, and he's just like, it's you, you know? Yeah. Did he speak English? Um, Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think he said that, but he he said something. He was just like... It's you, yeah. Yeah, like, he made these gestures and stuff where he was just like, whoa, like, you're here again. And then, so he looks at me, and he kind of, like, motions. So in Venice, there's all these little like the canals and then there's these little bridges. So he like motions for me to run to the next, to go over to the next bridge, which is just like a little kind of like a half block down or something. So I go and then he goes over that, like under that one. He's like, okay, the next one, go to the next one, go to the next one. (laughs) And then he just pulls the boat over real quick and grabs my hand and pulls me into the boat. And, um, (laughs) and there's, you know, this Chinese family, he's like taking on their touristy Mm -hmm. touristy ride. And he's like, oh, this is my girlfriend. And they just start taking all these photos. I'm like, oh, this is so great. Like we're meeting their diver's girlfriend. And, you know, and he looks at me and he's like, what's your name? Um, (laughs) And um, and he's like, do you like to swim? Yeah, sure. And um, so we go and drop off the family and then he like changes his shirt real quick. And then we go run through the Venice alleyways. And make out in the Venice alleyways and then get in. It sounds so romantic <laughs> and so... It's so good. And then we get into his friends. I don't know what we're doing, but I'm like, okay. I'm definitely not going to meet my mother at this cathedral <laughs> at this point. And um, yeah, and then we get into a friend's boat and like go down the canals and out into the ocean and hang out in the ocean for like an hour, and like out in the sea and... Yeah, and then like ran back and made out in the alleyways again a little bit, and then he had to go back to work. And yeah, he was kind of like, "I'll come see you tonight." I was like, "Well, I'm sharing a bed with my mother, so um, we can't do that." But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that was my best. That sounds exhilarating. It sounds like romantic. You know, it sounds that's a great travel story. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Of us together. Really? Too. Did yeah. you stay in contact with him? No, no, no. He what had was given his me... name? Did he have like a crazy Italian oh, name? Oh my gosh, he had a, Paolo, like one of those like or... yeah, super sexy Italian names. I don't remember, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I forget. But oh, Karen, thank you so much for sharing <laughs> everything. I feel like I've been ups and downs through emotions listening to you share your story and your journey, and it's been real. <laughs> it's been real well, thank you it's so fun talking to you thank you I'm for being so, so open i'm thankful that you invited me to come. i'm honored thank you i'm grateful for you and the work <laughs> you do and everything you've been through because now you can stand on the other side and be like this is what happened and this is what i'm doing which i don't know what it is but i'm doing it and it's <laughs> just i just find the way you lead your life i find it so inspiring oh, thank you This is what I'm taking away from my conversation with Karen. Number one, nothing just happens to us. We have to take action. Follow your passions, stay curious, and take opportunities when they open up. Number two, intuition is so important. There is something inside of us that already knows. Figure out how to tap into that and follow it. Number three, We have to stop thinking so much all the time and feel more. Let your joy speak to you. It's really simple. Number four, when you decide to do what you want, 
focusing your time, energy, and resources on what's important to you, you are making everyone feel better. You'll feel better because you are doing what you love and you can serve other humans that need your craft in their lives. It's a win-win situation. Number five, think about your dream and scale it back. Reverse engineer it. Maybe you can't open a restaurant right now, but you can start with a food truck. Figure out what would be your stepping stone towards your dream. Number six, we have to be willing to do hard things and put ourselves out there. Even if it sometimes sucks, you gotta do it. Pull yourself up and keep going. Being a business owner takes a lot of resilience. Be ready to prove yourself again and again. Number seven, dealing with loved ones that have different beliefs than our own can be messy. It is what it is, and you're not alone. Number eight, failures are learning experiences as long as we are willing to do better. It is how we grow. You can follow Karen's adventures on Instagram at Karen Pride and check out yogapearl.com. There you can learn more about the retreats and workshops they do. Also, did you know there's a blog post for every episode of Magical Humans? Log on to vaniavananina.com slash podcast. There, you can see more pictures from our past guests, the takeaways, and all the resources that we've linked up for you. Check it out, vaniavananina.com slash podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you feel a little bit more inspired, more magical, more human. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show. Say hello to me on Instagram and tell me what resonated with you or what did you like the most about today's episode. If anything you listened to made you think of someone, please go share it with them. The world is a better place when we make each other feel seen. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye. This show is produced by Annie Fassler of Puddle Creative with music by Megan Diana and cover art by Vania Vananina, that's me, and Maya Busby. 